Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone! Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode 40, the second half of our 2022 season recap. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy Crowley. Crowley, how the heck are you on this fine Monday afternoon? Oh, I'm doing a lot better than the Cardinals' playoff chances, I'll tell you that much. Nice. Yes, I was hoping you were going to go there. That's oh, where boy. I'm going. You can, fo- <laughs> you can follow us at Crowley's Cubs. Uh, you can follow us at Fly the W670 on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. You can follow us on Fly the W on Facebook and email us at Fly the W670 at gmail.com. All right, we're going to start our quote-unquote second half of this 2022 recap, taking you to the All-Star break. The Cubs had both Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras in the All-Star game, of course, for the National League, and it was a force first for Ian Happ. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was tough because we were all assuming that would be the end. Uh, didn't know if maybe they would be, I think it was Jeff Samarja when the Cubs traded him for Addison Russell had to wear like a weird hat or something. Uh, but no, they went there. We saw him with Kyle Schwarber hanging out and all looked well. And, uh, you know, the shock of everything that's going to happen, you know, you thought that the all-star break was really going to be the last hurrah for those two guys as Cubs. Um, on July 25th and 26th, the Cubs played the pirates in a two game series, which everybody thought was for sure, the last time they would see Wilson in a Cub uniform. Pretty sure the last time we saw Ian. Uh, knew most of the bullpen arms would be gone. And the trade line gets started. And Chris Martin goes to the Dodgers for Zach McKinstry. Scott Efros went to the Yankees for Hayden Wesniski, who we would come to know later on. David Robertson to the Phillies for Ben Brown. Michael Givens off to New York for Saul Gonzalez. But when all is said and done, at the very last minute, we were told by Ken Rosenthal 
that Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ would not be traded. Sometimes there's a little delay as things are getting done. That was not the case. They were not traded, and they would return to Wrigley Field. Yeah, the Wilson news was absolutely a stunner, I thought for sure. He was gone. Um, I did not believe there was any shot he was going to be around. And I bet he was this close to getting traded out to San Diego. But then when uh, they were able to get Juan Soto, that whole thing evaporated, I believe. I think uh, we'll talk about it more a little bit later. But I think I think the deal to the Mets, I think, you know, <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But we'll, we'll get there. Uh, August was a, a pretty good month for the Cubs. They finished at 500 for the first time this season, a non-losing record in the month of August. They went 15 and 15. August 8th, the Cubs picked up the Franimal, Franmil Reyes from the Guardians, gave him a shot in the arm, did his own rendition of I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. <laughs> also on August 8th, Jed makes an announcement that we all saw coming for a while, but Jed, uh, Jason Hayward, would not in the Cub, was told he would not be in the Cubs' plans for 2023. August 11th was a special day for me. I got to go see the Cubs play the Reds in the Field of Dreams games in Dyersville, Iowa, beating the Reds 4-2. to two. Uh, That was this, just the amazing you know start of uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and Senior playing a catch and all the Hall of Famers coming out with the, all the current team and just – uh, just such a special game. And, and, and I'm so it's probably, I wouldn't even say probably definitely the highlight of my 2022 season was going out there to see a game in that kind of setting with only 8,000 people and in, in, in the crowd and just so tiny, you could hear a pin drop. I can't believe that that was already two months ago. It feels about two weeks ago. I don't know, but for you, you were at the game, but just from where I sit, it feels like that just happened. Yeah, it's, everything just kind of snowballed at the end. You know, it was one thing after another, and uh, it was it's just it's a positive memory, like I said, that I'll always kind of have. Probably one of my greatest baseball memories of all time. To, it was just so unique, so special, and and the fact that there it's not going to be the same. I don't think in the future. So I'm glad I got to see it when I did. Absolutely right. On August 23rd, Javier Assad makes his first start with the Cubs, going four innings and giving up no runs against the Cardinals. The Cubs played three in Toronto to end the month. Adrian Sampson and Justin Steele would not be along for the ride since they were unvaxxed and could not go into Canada. Since then, those rules have changed. You do not need to have a vaccination to get into Canada. So we'll see if that's going to be an issue uh, or not next year. But I don't. I think the Cubs would play Toronto at home, so wouldn't matter either way. The Cubs finished September 16 and 11. The club. The club's first month with a winning record since going 19 and eight. In May of 2021, when you had guys like Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant still on the team. So a winning record. Uh, September 6th, Justin Steele and Wilson were put on the IL. Remember, Wilson tweaked that ankle uh, at the Field of Dreams game. The Cubs are going to call up young fireballer Hayden Wisniewski, who we talked about. He came over. Uh, that was the trade with the Yankees. And he would come in to relieve Wade Miley and pitched five innings and had eight Ks. And that was, I was at that game, absolutely phenomenal, electric atmosphere to see Hayden come out for that first start. Yeah, he's been fantastic, a fantastic watch. And I think uh, we will never forget the name Scott Efros as he was what was traded away in order to get West Nasty. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we'll talk about Jed's press conference but uh, in a little bit more depth, but he brought it up. 
that that was one of his favorite trades because it kind of was one of an old fashioned baseball trade, a deal that works for everybody. You know, you're not waiting years and years for Wesniski and the Yankees get to use Efros in their playoff run. So everybody's kind of happy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Hopefully it'll work out for both teams. Yeah. September 10th was a special day, especially for those of us that love the score as Pat Hughes, Jose Cardinal and Buck O'Neill were inducted into the Cubs hall of fame. They got their plaques. They got their jackets, a uh, private ceremony, which we thought was kind of unusual, but they got to throw out the first pitch as well. But that whole Crane Kenny reading, you know, having Pat read that on the air was, yeah, a, was cool. a special cool moment. moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I thought they handled that. They seem to handle a lot of these big moments and these uh, celebratory moments very well. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, you know, now we sit there and we wait the Ford Frick announcement coming up in a couple months, you know, just please hoping that Pat Hughes doesn't get screwed over again. Um, September 17th, Edbert Alzali makes his return to the team. He was gone all season. Uh, sadly, Frank Schwindel was DFA'd. We talked about how, you know, back injury just kind of kept him unproductive all season. And as somebody, you know, with the Cubs facing a 40-man roster crunch, you know, some of these older guys are going to get DFA'd. And, and Frank, you know, that that's the situation. He was a great guy. He had some fun moments and sad to see him go. That, you know, it, it's the hard part of the of the business. Yeah, it is a business. He was absolutely a great guy um, on and off the field for the most part. I hope he finds a, another home, but I don't think it'll be a Clark and Addison. No, I th- he just got he got signed to a team, one of the Venezuelan teams, I believe. So he's going to be playing in Latin America. He was already signed by a team. I think I think it's in Venezuela or the Dominican, right. one of the two. So he's going to be playing baseball, and hopefully he'll get another crack at it. But the one thing that we really enjoyed going down this last stretch of games is that the Cubs played some of their best baseball at the end. And that's going to be a big subject of Jed's press conference today on Marquee. They were 16-6 and in their last 21 games since September 12th. The best record in the NL since that date and tied for the second best in the majors uh, with Houston behind Cleveland, who went 18-5. and But at the end of the day, the Cubs are going to win their last game of the season. They're going to pound Cincinnati but they finished under 500 for the second straight season, 71 and 91. So, you know, that that's, uh, you know, in 2021, that's what they finished. Uh, they're going to finish third in the NL Central. Um, the, they completed the Wrigley Field schedule with the 37 and 44 record. So you got to be playing better at home. You know what I mean? Yes. You got to play above 500 at home and you try to play 500 on the road. This is, again, the second straight season that they finished under 500 at home. So, you know, you need to get some of that home cooking going to, to, to really kind of do something with the season. Yeah, obviously playing at home, very important. Very, very important. Play, having a good record at home. And then just 36 and 44 on the road. So that's that's why you're going to have the team that, that just kind of finished where they did. And, and, and when we looked back at it, we talked about the first half on the last podcast and it wasn't the most fun to talk about. It wasn't really truly enjoyable. There's a, a lot of rough months in there. And then the second half was completely different where you start to see the team turn a corner, start to play 500 ball and then finish like again with the best record in the NL pretty much since September 12th. So it was, it it's, what, the, the tricky thing now is trying to figure out what it is you really got here. What, what is this team? Are they more like the first half or more like the second half? 
And and that's going to be the job that Jed and and the baseball ops are going to really have to deal with. Right. And will momentum will momentum carry into 2023? That's something else that uh, we're going to hear Jed speak about in a few minutes. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It is episode 39. It's the second half of our 2022 season recap. Last week, we planned to bring you this podcast today. Little did we know at that point that Jed Hoyer would be speaking to the media on Monday midday. So Crowley and I were able to listen to what Jed had to say. And Crowley was good enough to uh, edit up some video clips that we're going to take a listen to and we're going to analyze for you and along with you. Yeah, so Jed, you know, again, love the fact that you can watch this on Marquee now and see it and that the Cubs, uh, they even have it on YouTube for those people that, um, you know, can't get Marquee for whatever reason. And I thought that the press conference was good. I think I thought it was one of Jed's better press conferences. I mean, it's really hard to follow Theo Epstein. The guy, Theo Epstein, like people think he's going to go into politics or maybe, who knows, maybe be the commissioner. But he had such a great way of communicating. And, and look, Jed's just, you know, he's a very smart baseball man, but some, that communication factor and speaking in front of the press sometimes, it's not as easy as people think. And I think that uh, this was a good interview. And, and so the way that it works is Jed will start off kind of saying a few words about the state of the team, how things look this season. Um, and, and then he starts to answer questions. So this was Jed talking about the way that the season played out in his eyes. You know, we made a lot of trades um, in 2021. Uh, we had a lot of holes to fill. Uh, we were inexperienced. We lacked depth. Uh, and we played poorly. Um, there's no way There's no way around that. Uh, it was frustrating for all of us. Um, I was incredibly um, impressed, excited um, by the way we played in the second half. Uh, I thought we created some real momentum. Uh, some of those inexperienced players started to gain experience. Some of the depth that we've been uh, working to create for for several years uh, started to, uh, to to bear fruit, and um, there's a real sense of momentum in this building right now. 
Now, so Crowley, I love I love the idea of the momentum. I, I I believe in that. I think there can be a carryover effect. I want to hear what you think in a minute, but I just it reminded me. I think it was last week or it was the week before, probably last week. And he's going to be on with us again tomorrow, John Heyman. Uh, maybe not tomorrow or Wednesday. He'll be on this week for sure. But John Heyman said he does not think a strong second half by the Cubs has any bearing on the 2023 season. And I respectfully disagree with John. Those young those young pitchers especially, they got experience that's invaluable. I mean, they got real big league, big time experience. I know the pressure wasn't on them at that point, but it's still pressure because if you don't do well, you're going to go back to the minors. So that you can't say that there was no pressure on them whatsoever. What, what do you think, Crowley? Does, does, is momentum a real thing and can it carry over from one season to the next? You know, it's it's so tricky because you take a look, and Jed did address this in the interview, the first half schedule. I remember when it came out, and I looked at the month of May, and I said, oh, man, May and June just looked bad. A lot of really good team, Atlanta, the Yankees, all sorts of stuff. And then when you looked at the second half, didn't look as hard. Now, like you said, what ended up happening is that a lot of guys got injured, and a lot of guys came up, and they started to perform. They got invaluable experience. So, are they going to be a really, really good team just because of how they finished? I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of it's going to depend on health. It's these guys, depending on how their off training schedule goes, what moves that they make. It, it, I think that they, it, it provided them an opportunity to show that what they can do in the major leagues. And that way you can then tailor specific programs for these guys in the off season. So Christopher Morrell, here's what we saw that you did well. Here's what we'd like you to work on. Hayden, this is what really looked good. Let's really focus on this. And and a big part of it is these guys had to kind of learn how to go, you know, grind through a 162 game season. Not all of them, but Justin Steele, um, Keegan Thompson, those type of guys. So you you learn the toll that it takes on your body. Um, so I, I think that there's they're going to be a better team because of it. I don't know if the momentum is going to just roll them into it. Um, but I think that they're going to be better off for having to kind of struggle through uh, some of those difficult months. Yeah, something else David Ross said was he was looking for the team to get stronger, physically stronger, to get through the 162. And that, and that and that's such a big part of it. You know, Nico's had some injury issues. Um, say a first year in the major leagues is completely different than Japanese baseball, and I have a clip on that later. Um, and, and, and those young guys, it's, it's every, every progression. It's a real big step up when you go from high school to single A and from single A to high A to double A, but, but that, that, there's nothing like in major league baseball season with that grind that it takes on you. The toll, I, I, even people said about Patrick wisdom, you know, it was really the first time he was relied upon to play 162 game season. And so you really want to kind of bulk up, build up in the off season to kind of last you th- those 162. Absolutely right. Absolutely so, right. You know, Jed was asked what a successful offseason would look like for him, and, and this is was his answer here. I think as I mentioned, you know, I think trying to trying to make sure that um, we view our transactions through the right lens, right? I think last season we talked a lot about intelligent spending, and I think we'll certainly look to do that again. Um, I want to build on the, on the momentum that we – that we created at the, at the end of the year, but I know that we have you know, some holes to fill and you know, we'll be aggressive uh, to try to fill those holes in the best way possible. And I think we can, um, we can definitely compete next year. Um, and we also want to create something 
you know, lasting and special. And so we're always going to have to keep those two things in mind. But I do believe that a successful off season does involve like, you know, you know, filling those holes that we, that we know we saw. Um, I thought the end of the season, um, you know, our pitching, uh, run prevention really stepped forward. And that was really gratifying to see, um, you never have enough. I think we've, we've talked about it year after year. We never have enough offensively. Um, despite the fact that we were, that we played really well. Uh, we also didn't, we didn't score enough. We didn't, you know, we, at times we were kind of banged up, but that exposed a lack of depth. So, um, I think that's going to be a, a clear area of focus is, um, you know, making sure that, you know, our run scoring, um, kind of, you know, takes, takes a step forward because this year towards the end, even as we were playing well, uh, we were lagging behind a bit. So that, that one right there, I thought was interesting. Like what holes do you think he's referring to? I mean, I think we're all pretty clear that first base is a giant hole for this team. Gaping gape. I would say it's a gaping hole. Um, I think center field is a potentially gaping hole. I, I don't think they want to play Christopher Morrell there for 115 games. I, I don't think that's what they want to do. Um, what are they doing at third base? Is Patrick Wisdom the third baseman on the next great Cubs team, on the next Cubs competitive team? Is Patrick Wisdom the answer at first base? Not if it's gaping, right? Um there are some solutions within the farm system, but then what kind of pressure? Matt Mervis specifically at first base. Is he ready to make that jump? Is he ready to become Anthony Rizzo? Boy, he sure sounds confident, but that's a big step up and that's a ton of pressure. I hope he could I hope he could slide in and fill in those shoes. Um what are they doing at second base? What what's going what's going on there? That, that's another question. And obviously they've, they've talked about, and I know we're going to talk about it at nauseum in a good way, nauseum, but what are they doing with shortstop? There are all, there are five big time free agents available at the shortstop position. And Ken Rosenthal said the Cubs are, are front and center at getting one of those five guys in here. That'll be exciting. Like, you know, you just, you can't have like your first base. I mean, you know, you, you heard it all growing up. You could, you get your power from the corners, you know, first base, third base, left field, right field. You get your speed up the middle is what you kind of look at. But that's kind of changed with the shortstop position, especially. See a lot of home run hitters now at short. But you just could that was that was a real big problem is the is the lack of slug on this team. And uh, Jed's going to talk talk to people about uh, you know he's going to address that in the clip. But you know you just you can't have a team that just can't hit home runs. I mean. They're a big, you know, they're an important part of the game. You you want to make contact, you want to get guys on base, but you also have some. You have to be able to put crooked numbers up. And what do you do? What do you do with DH? Right? I mean, on the other side of Chicago, all they talk about is that they've got a a, a field of first basemen and DHs. And I'm not sure the Cubs have a first baseman or a DH as it stands right now. No, and and the only trouble is is that the ones we need from the White Sox they're not going to give us because we need a left-handed bat, and it looks <laughs> looks like looks so like Jose, <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's really kind of the issue right now. So, you know, there are holes, and and Jed addressed it, and some of them were filled, you know, by getting Stroman, by getting Suzuki, um, and, and some of them were filled internally, like like by Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson. So, you know, the hope is is some combination of signing some free agents and more players coming up it may not be at the beginning of the season but at some point in time 
you know, hopefully these guys stay healthy. You know, Miguel Amaya, unfortunately, hasn't stayed healthy. He was supposed to be in the Arizona Fall League. Um, you know, I know Brennan Davis was pulled out early, uh, earlier from the AFL start uh, he had today. He had one at bat, and then he didn't come back out again, so I'm hoping all is okay there. But those are the little things that you kind of worry about. Yeah, that's not good news on Brennan Davis, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully nothing big. Hopefully, you know, he had an 11 or 12 pitch at bat, and hopefully they're just giving him a breather. I don't know. But, you know, you look at those things and you see what you can do. The third video clip, I think, is the the one that Jed gets to kind of really toot his horn on. The pitching infrastructure really came through this season. If it's something that the Cubs can hang their hat on, it, 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 for the first time we're actually seeing homegrown pitching. And so Jed talked a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I think – I think that pitching development is is something that we take you know great pride in, and it's also something I would note that you know you, you go back to, to 2019, um, you know we brought in Craig Breslow that year. He and you know Kyle Evans spent really the whole year um, you know looking at our pitching infrastructure and, and how we were doing things, and we really made a commitment to to make real changes in that area. And um, you know we named we named uh, Craig the director of pitching in the in the fall of of 2019 and started this, this process. And, you know, fortunately I think we kind of got delayed by a year, like everyone did, you know, as we were trying to make those changes, you know, COVID hit and that was a, a strange year that way. But um, I think when you, when you look up, I think a lot of the things we saw in the second half of this year, a lot of the success we had in the minor leagues throughout the year were, those are seeds that were planted, you know, several years before. And I think that's just the nature of our job that a lot of times the things that we're watching right now are things that we've been, planning for a bunch of years um and, and this is no different um so I, I think we're we're really proud of that pitching infrastructure um i also know enough to know that yeah there's no there's no finish line there that uh, you can never have enough and we need to you know talk about augmenting it through external transactions um we need to talk about how we can continue to make um the guys we have better um because um it was a good feeling for a few months to to watch those young guys come up and succeed and um, you know, the, 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 the game planning, the execution of, of what we we're trying to accomplish was really. So you, you listened to Jed there. I mean, th- there's a couple things they read, they realized around 2019 that their infrastructure just didn't, wasn't working, wasn't happening, especially on the scouting and development side and draft, everything just kind of needed an overhaul. And you the two names you're going to hear is Craig Breslow for pitching and Justin Stone for hitting. And just seeing what the pitching has done, it, it just – and what Jed said, there is no finish line. It, it, you have to keep developing pitching. You stop – and that's one thing that the White Sox have been able to do for many, many years is develop their own homegrown pitching. You it can, it can just do wonders for your team to just have these pitchers either A, coming up and starting, whether they're in the bullpen, or whether you're going to have them as trade assets. It, it's It's huge. Yeah, it's something we talked about, too, an episode or two ago, Tommy Hottavy with Molly and Haw saying you can never have enough starting pitching, and Jed just basically echoed that same exact feeling. And it's, it's not just enough. It's, it's, it's just getting the waves. you got to keep you, – you know, you're going to have some guys come up, but you have to have guys behind them and guys behind them and everybody constantly trying to push forward to be successful. Right, you don't want to have to go out and buy an entire starting rotation in order to be good again. Well, that's what you had to do in 2016, 2017, right? Right, right exactly. Yep. You, you were lucky you got – the one thing you were able to do is you were able to steal Jake Arrieta and turn him around. But other than that, you had to buy you, – you bought Lester, you bought Lackey, 
you bought uh, you Darvish later. You know, you're, you're going to keep paying for pitching and that, you know, that the pitching is the highest price commodity. And that's where we get into Jed's next clip talking about intelligent spending. And some people get spooked by that. And I understand why, you know, you get, what, what does that mean? Intelligent spending? Um, I, you know, I, I think people sometimes think, well, you're a big market team, act like it, spend like a drunken sailor. I, I, I don't know where you stand on this, but let's hear where Jed kind of has to say. Yeah. I mean, to me, intelligent spending um, involves making decisions that, that make sense for, you know, that, I guess now the 2023 season, um, but also aren't going to hinder what we're trying to build, you know, and um, the nature of baseball contracts um, is challenging that way because, um, we've all seen contracts of, of certain lengths that can, that can really bog a team down. And, um, it's easy to, um, to talk about, you know, the player you're acquiring, but if you're, but if, if that, if that contract ends up hindering the ultimate goal here, which is to build something, um, special and sustainable and lasting, then it wasn't a good transaction. So that's sort of the lens I want to, I, I want to look at everything through is that, so uh, who who are we thinking about there? <laughs> right, Contracts right. that bog people down, right? It bog, you know, Jason Hayward, right? That that's the that's the obvious that's the obvious one. Um, but I think you know the important thing is is something again. This probably happened three or four weeks ago now, um, where Tom Ricketts made a comment and he said that basically what the ball is in Jed's court as far as spending goes, and Jed even said, hey, as in a, somebody in my position who wouldn't want their owner saying that. So let's see what he does. That's right. been the thing. Like I've given Tom the, the, the rope, given him the length, given him the leash, whatever with slack, whatever word you want to put in there. And I think he, I, I, I'm going to believe him that he's ready to give Jed um, some more blank checks. Now Jed's got to be the one who's creative and he's got some trading chips and we'll see how creative and how good he is at his job. And again, you know, and it's not just the Cubs and Hayward. I mean, it's easy to kind of joke about that. Right. But think about, think about what the Angels gave Albert Pujols to produce literally nothing. Nothing. You know, Josh Hamilton was another one that went to the Angels and cost a fortune. And sometimes, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But, but you know, I, I, it gets really hard to try to tell people. You know, I, I've had people for years, oh, we should trade Jason Hayward. I said, who the hell wants Jason Hayward in that contract? You have to be realistic. Well, sit him, bench him. You know, you can do that like they did at the very end of that contract, but how many years did we sit through that? Yeah, and, too long. Then, but there, but there was some one thing, right? You know, we you, you were at, we were at the game, right? Jason Hayward came out, was honored by the fans, took a ring out of his uh, back pocket, and went like that to the stadium. The place went nuts, right? So, and he was a big he was a big reason they won that World Series. He 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 wasn't you know the speech obviously is what he's going to be known for more than the play on the field. But that obviously was important. Everybody gives a lot of credit to it. So Jed was talking about, so Jed was asked about the danger. And I think this is what you were kind of talking about with John Heyman saying of, of looking at those second half numbers and getting a little bit too excited. Uh, Jed wanted to make sure too, that he realizes that, that it wasn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Cubs are going to be world beaters next year. Yeah. Um, I think there is, I think that um, we are not, so in a pennant race, you can play sort of free and easy, and I think that that, that matters. Um, we played a really hard schedule uh, in the first half, um, disproportionately so, um, and 
um, our, our schedule is a bit easier in the second half. Um, you know, we did play really well against the Phillies, who are who are moving on. I think we were six and zero against them. We, we we swept the Mets in New York, so we did have some some really really good moments against against good teams. But I do think it's important to to remember that. Um, you know, I to look at to to probably realize that you know that some of what we saw in the first half. Um, was probably you know, somewhat schedule related and injury related, and, and some of the second half, uh, we have to keep in mind that you know guys were able to kind of play free and easy at, at the end. So um, yeah, there is a danger in that, um, and we have to we have to be mindful of that, of course. First, well, when- I, I I I hate it, but I appreciate the fact that he's saying that, right? I mean, as a fan, you want to say, hey, listen, we are the other thing, Crawley. This, this division that the Cubs play in, very winnable. Okay, very winnable. I'm not saying they're ne- they're they're close to being a World Series caliber team, but they are definitely close to being a playoff team. Yeah, and you have those extra playoff teams, and I and I think like I you know just what Jed said is, what if Wade Miley and Smiley and Hendricks and all those guys never got hurt, mm-hmm. right? Let's look at it in, in an alternative lens type thing, you know. And, and what if the schedule was a little bit more balanced between the first and second half? Would we have ended up with the same win total? That, that, that's what you have to look at. I think in general, the plan was get Miley Smiley, have him do really well, trade him off, trade everybody else off. And then you would have kind of, you would have, you would have started off the first half good, maybe even close to a playoff spot. And then all of a sudden you would have traded everybody and it would have been similar to 2021. Instead, those guys get injured and then the, the first half's a mess, but then guys start to step up. They learn their roles, they improve a little bit. And then you have a really good second half. So kind of a flip of what was expected. Um, But one of the things that Jed talked about, and we talked about the holes that the Cubs have on this team is the lack of slug. And, and it's, I'm glad he acknowledged it, but because we all saw it, but, but glad that he was kind of out there saying something. It's certainly an area we, we, as we talked about throughout the season, you know, we have to be a much little little quicker strike offense than, than we were. You know, we, I, I like the fact that we're making more contact, um, I did think there was times in the year we grinded our at bats, but we just had the we we had we lacked the ability to to pull away in different games, and uh, that's something we have to we have to get better about. We played uh, we played so many close games throughout the year because we couldn't stretch games out, and um, that really taxes the, the bullpen, and this, it leads to to more randomness. You know that the, the best teams in baseball blow people out, and uh, one run games are always going to center around five hundred. That's a baseball truism you know that you know one run games are usually you know, generally a 50 50 proposition sometimes a little better if you have a great bullpen but um great teams blow people out and um that's that as we think about where we want to be eventually that is that is a big focus that um you've got to be able to score runs in bunches and we were not able to do that this year the runners in scoring position stats way up. And I, I, looking at these stats, 54 and 25 when scoring four or more runs. So just score five runs every game, and you should be in the postseason next year. Five or more. Right. And, 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 the, and the big thing is the, close, the amount of close games that we played. And we talked about it so much, Dustin, over the season. They, they, they left runners on base. They had opportunities. And once you end up doing that – Again, you tax your bullpen and and look at what he said. 500, one-run games, the Cubs were 26 and 27. They're right on Two, yep. Two-run games, 17 and 21. Extra inning games, 7 and 12. And like you said, 54 and 25 when scoring four or more. But when they scored fewer than four runs, 19 and 63, Dustin. Yeah, that, that's a very, 
very telling statistic. 19 and 63. 19 so that that's the thing is is you're you're talking about how many games is that? Two, 82 games. Half you know almost half, half a season, season yep. that you scored fewer than four runs in in a, you know you, you got to be able to get more offense and the whole goal of this team was to make more contact but you have to be able to get it out of out of the ballpark sometimes. Um Video Clip 7 is, is talking about extensions. I want your opinion on this one right here. I'd say that we've um, we've taken the first steps. Um, as you guys know, we're not going to talk about it once we, once we do, but um, you know, certainly there are players that we'd, we'd love to to keep in, in a cubby uniform for a long time, and uh, hopefully we can uh, work hard on those and, and, and get some across the finish line. The two extensions that he's referring to, he was asked about, Ian Happ, and Nico Horner. I think, Dustin, I know where we both kind of lie on Nico Horner there. Let's get this young man extended. I like what he brings. I like his leadership. I, I see what he does on the field. He's, I think he's a winner, 100%. I, I agree. It's just I don't – here's what I don't want. I don't want Nico Horner playing 130 games at shortstop. Now, Ian Happ is the one that has me more nervous. Um, this was his first really, and Jed talked about it, beginning to end good, solid season. The Cubs right now, and I know they're prospects and you're, you're taking a gamble on it, but the Cubs offense, I, I mean, the Cubs hitters, that their best prospects are all outfielders. Yeah, Brennan Davis. They, they are loaded with outfield prospects. Yes, Brennan Davis, PCA, uh, Owen Casey. These are guys that you're going to see in the next 12 to 24 months, okay? You give Ian a big contract, you got Saya on the other side, now you have only one outfield spot. What do you want to do with that? That's what has me a little bit concerned about the potential of an extension for Hap. That's why I don't think they are going to offer Hap an extension, and they will trade him next season. Do you think Hap has any value to the Cubs as a third baseman or no? No, I don't think so. I think, no. you know, it's it's good to have those guys as bad. You know, Ben Zobrist was a unicorn, man. That guy could play great everywhere and clutch hit and – God was such a huge part of that 2016 team, but some guys, you know, I just, the defense needs to be better in certain areas and you just, it's pitching and defense. That's what's going to win you ball games. And, and I just don't want to keep kind of shoehorning guys into positions that they don't fit in. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, number seven video clip, the next video clip talks about Nico at shortstop, which I think is what your concern is right here. And the question of is that where Nico is where they planning to keep Nick Nico? I mean, we have total confidence in Nico's ability to play shortstop. And he, he proved that this year, but but you're right. Like the game is is about to trend more athletic. Um, you know, getting rid of the shift will we'll, we'll, we'll force that. Um, some of the base running rules will we'll force that. So, um, yeah, I think that, that that will certainly be a focus for us and probably for 20 and other, 29 other teams as well as they think about their offseason. But as far as the ability to play shortstop, I thought Nico did a, did a terrific job this year. And I don't see any reason why he won't continue to get better as he gains experience and continues to, to work hard with Andy Green. Um, I think he'll, he'll only get better there. But, um, but you're right. Like, yes, the, the, the way the game is trending, um, athleticism in the middle infield will, will make a big difference. Jed Hoyer's lying to us, Crowley, okay? Not going to do that. But we would have a massive story on our hands right now, 5 o'clock in the afternoon on the 10th day of October. If earlier today, about five hours ago, Jed Hoyer had said, Nico Horner has got no shot at playing shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. We'll see if he can be 
an above average second baseman. I and mean, I that, think right. I mean, I'm saying he, he that that's the only that's the only thing he that he has to answer that question the way he did. We just have to decide if we can read through the camouflage, if you will. You know, he said more athletic. Okay, I think Nico busts his rear end on every single play, and I love that from a guy. But when you're the shortstop in baseball and they're taking away the shift, I don't think Nico has enough athletic ability to play. 130 plus games at shortstop. I, I'd agree with you there. And I think that's kind of what Jed was kind of like, just dropping little hints. Like, look, these that was rule my changes Jed decoder, right? Like that's, that's yeah. me putting, that's me taking the answer that Jed said and putting it through my little decoder. And that's what I came up with. They really like Nico Horner. Who doesn't like Nico Horner, but do you like Nico Horner with new rules coming out? 130 plus games at shortstop. I don't. And, and not, not only that, but you also have, you know, it's not like you're just sitting there and you're you're looking on the scrap heap for shortstops. Right. It's the free agents market is flushed with them, and you know you can love Nico Horner. I love Nico Horner, but if you're telling me who's a better hitter, Carlos Correa or Nico Horner, I mean, you know you, you got to say to yourself, let's be realistic. Again, when you're talking about needing pop, that's a place that you could easily add some more run. You know, you 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 and moving Nico to second, you improve yourself defensively and offensively. Yep. Um, we had a clip of, uh, Jed talking about his boss, Tom Ricketts, and will there be some money? Especially given the size of the transactions I think you're alluding to, but I know that if I present Tom with uh, a plan, uh, to do something like that, um, I know I have his support and, you know, he's really, really good about, about pushing Carter and pushing me to, um, for answers in, in terms of asking the right questions. Um, making sure that you know, we're thinking about things the right way. Um, but I, I have total confidence that um, if we get to a place where um, we ask for a significant amount of money or, or to sign one player or several players, I have, I have no doubt that um, we'll have his blessing and I have no doubt the resources will be there. Now that's the clip, Crowley. There it is. That's the clip we need to hold on to. Okay. okay. That's the clip every Cub fan needs to play and remind themselves when we get to Cubs con in a couple of months, we, we, what have the Cubs done? What have they spent? What are they rumored to be spending? These are going to be very important things. When I take a look at it, you're looking at, it's a question of do you, what comes first. Do you put the cart before the horse? Do you want to see what you have with the young guys and then really start going on a spending spree? Or do you want to, start spending now. And so he would, I mean, I'm looking at this as kind of a, a two way street here that I'm kind of looking at here is that you will have Jason Hayward's contract off the books after 2023. Marcus Stroman is a, you potentially don't have to pay him in 2023. There's opt outs there. So you could be absolutely flush with money. Um, I think, you know, how ready is this team compete? How many holes do you think they have to fill? And do you need to fill them all at the free agent market? Or do you want to kind of leave yourself a little wiggle room to see what Matt Mervis is? Do you want to leave yourself a little bit of wiggle room to see if you can get, you know, uh, Brennan Davis and PCA and Saya all in the same outfield? Boy, that, that's really, uh, I mean, how, how would you feel if the starting, if that was the starting outfield next year? As far as Brennan, PCA, and uh, Saya? Yeah. I mean, it sounds fun, but, you know. Right, it sounds fun. It sounds interesting. <laughs> but if they started out April 4 and 12, 
how fun and how interesting would that really be? Right. So the question is, is, are you looking to, to, you know, kind of sign solid? Like I said, I keep looking at the, that contract that um, they got Stroman. It was a pretty good deal and it was, wasn't a, a, a ton of years. You know what I mean? So that you're not blocking somebody. Um, and so I guess that's what I wonder about is, is what route they're going to go here. And he talked about either one big contract or signing a bunch of kind of mid-tier contracts. Um, so he's, he kind of talks about it and I won't play this clip, but it, it's, he talked about the, some of the big deals that people, obviously John Lester was a big deal, right? You know, signing John Lester was, was huge. He said, but people don't remember before that it was kind of some of the smaller deals the the Dexter Fowler, you know, who was a big Dexter Fowler fan before 2015, you know what I mean? And, you know, Colorado and, you know, he wasn't on anybody's radar as being no. this big signing. What about Miggy Montero? Another kind of guy that was a very solid ball player that was a key contributor to 2016. Yep. Um, so you look at this and, and, and are there going to be more of those type of moves, a big splash move, a combination? I don't know. Yes. Please go find another Dexter Fowler. I would be all for that. Love uh, Dexter Fowler. <laughs> well, talking about, you know, um, a guy that we may have forgotten about a little bit, Kyle Hendricks here. Yeah. Um, you know, I know he's feeling good. Um, he hasn't started, you know, actively throwing, you know, at this point, you know, he's going to try to have a normal off season. Um, I know talking to him, he has, you know, extensive goals this off season about um, not only you know, trying to get back to his, to where he was, but also to, to continue to, you know, to try to get better. Um, but yes, I think as we, as we view it, I mean, he didn't, he didn't pitch at the end of the season. Um, I have all the confidence in the world that he'll do everything he can to, to, to be, the pitcher he has been for us, you know, since, since 2014. But um, obviously there's, there is a level of uncertainty with anyone that misses the, the second half of the season. Sounding, Where? sounding, not super confident. Is you that know, what you two, pick? I was going to well, ask two, you that. two times, two times, somebody that missed the second half of the season, two times, not throwing yet. Listen, I mean, who's not a fan of Kyle Hendricks, right? I mean, if you're not a fan of Kyle Hendricks, who are you a fan of? I mean, couldn't be a nicer person. Couldn't have pitched in bigger moments for Chicago Cubs teams that have done really well. I just wonder if just every, if he just got old, like really quick, baseball old, I mean, if the bottom just fell out overnight, like the transmission literally just dumped itself out on the Eisenhowers. You were going down the road, if you will. Now, there was a ton of clips that I could have played, and one of them that I didn't grab was one about him talking about Miley and Smiley and the, the idea that both of them are great pitchers. Both of them didn't pitch enough, unfortunately, this season, right. but obviously would welcome them back. You just wonder, again, are you going to try to give that another run of the Miley-Smiley twins, or is that moved on? And again, you can't have too much pitching. Is Kyle Hendricks going to be ready to go out of the gate in April? Don't know. Drew Smiley, yes. Wade Miley, no for me. Now, the obviously the big question that everybody is wondering about, Wilson Contreras, uh, again, going with the hat tips at the last homestand and the large ovations. And here we go with uh, Jed's answer. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a great conversation with Wilson the other day. You know, we've always had a really good relationship. And um, I mean, I admire how he competes and I, I admire the passion. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely make him a qualifying offer. Um, we'll, we'll be in touch with his, his representatives and, you know, as far as his, his comments and things like that, I, you know, I'll, I'll take the comments that he sort of makes to me directly, you know, not, not those. And, um, like I said, I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, 
I've always enjoyed our relationship and I've, um, I've really enjoyed watching him grow from a, you know, I remember watching him play in Boise in 2012. And, um, you know, I think whenever you, you know, we've, he's been doing the Cubs for a long time and, um, you know, I'll, I'll sort of take those, those comments and what we, what we've talked about. Take them and do what with them, Jed? I, I, I mean, I got to tell you, this story now that the season is done, Crowley, and you and I talking before we started the pod, podcast, Bob Nightingale saying that there is no chance that Wilson Contreras is back as a Chicago Cub. I have Wilson Contreras and Cub relationship fatigue. I'm burnt out on it. I, I want this to go one way or the other. Of course, I want him to be here. I want him to stick around. Um, I think he's important. I think the Cubs are, he's the type of guy that could put the Cubs into a team that could play at this time next year. But I have massive Wilson Contreras fatigue. Yeah, the, the whole situation was a mess. I don't think the Cubs thought they would be here. I don't think Wilson thought they would be at this point, And I don't think the fans thought we would be at this point where, you know, it, it was so bizarre just the way that all played out. And we'll talk about the Mets, but, um, you know, just stunning that that a trade wasn't made and it was it was not made probably for dumb reasons on New York's side. Um, but I, I boy, you know, he, he they're going to make the offer. But for Wilson, Wilson knows as a catcher, especially at his age and he can play first, he can DH. He needs that multi-year contract. He's looking four or five years. The Cubs are not going to do it. Um, you know, I just don't they've made it very clear that he's not wanted. Wilson said it. And, and, you know, Jed said, well, you know, he never said that to me, but you know, your actions speak louder than words. And and it's been clear from day one, they haven't talked to him about extensions forever. They were going to go to arbitration almost with him this season. They tried to trade him and didn't. Why anyone thinks that, that he would take an $18 million qualifying offer. If that happened, then he got really, really, if that happens and he accepts it, he's got, he's gotten screwed in the free market, man, because you know, you think he can get like 30, 45 at the very least. And even that would be disappointing. I could see him trying to get 40, you know, $80 million for four years would, would be what he would like. Uh, maybe it's going to be closer to 60 million, but you know, the Cubs are going to offer the 18. And if he takes that, that's going to be, you know, I just don't see it happening. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, Season 1, Episode 40. We just reviewed the second half of the 2022 season. We also just put Jed Hoyer through our uh, decoder, if you will, the uh, Dustin Crowley decoder, reading between the lines of what Jed said to the media. And uh, Jed 
Crowley said that he wants to field a competitive team next year, one that is challenging for postseason baseball. And we had postseason baseball this past weekend, and it rolls on starting again tomorrow, Tuesday. We roll into the divisional series, and I think everybody listening to this podcast can say this. The Cubs won three games in October. The Cardinals won two. Victory for the Cubs. Um, you know, Dustin, I was uncertain about how I would feel about this new postseason uh, setup. I enjoyed it. I had fun. I had more fun than I thought I would. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, I don't know about the. You know, I got to tell you, in that game, I think Saturday afternoon between the um, between the uh, Guardians and the Rays, I, I was thinking about the man for man. It was getting a little. <laughs> it was getting a little ridiculous. I mean, absolutely zero offense. Um, it was getting a little ridiculous that the Manford man um, wasn't needed. 15 innings, one to nothing. If you weren't keeping track at home, um, you know. So I could have, I could have used the Manford man in that one. Yeah, you know, I said keep an eye out on Cleveland. They don't have much of an offense, but they got pitching and defense, and that can sometimes get you far in the postseason. Again, they're going to need someone to step up and play offense. I mean, you can't do what they did more than once, but you know, I they was took just the surprised first... Crowley the sweeps, right? I'm surprised that I'm surprised that three of the four series were two game sweeps. Well, you the, the, the Cleveland versus Tampa Bay, you 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 know, it was the it went all the way 15 innings. Like you said, they did the seventh inning stretch twice. And so they just, the Rays could not score the, again, Cleveland's pitching and defense. I mean, they're going to keep you off. They just have a hard time scoring themselves. So, you know, they were able to keep them off the board and, and Cleveland moves on. Um, another team I told you to watch uh, this weekend were the Mariners. That's they eliminate good. the Toronto Blue Jays to nothing. Luis Castillo. We known him um, from the Reds. And literally, like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the game. I'm just – Pat Hughes is in my head. Eugenio Suarez, you know, uh, just watching, like, all these stars from the Reds on the Mariners now. But Luis Castillo is brilliant in that first game. And, and in game two, that was the stunner. That uh, Toronto jumps out to an 8-1 to lead, and you're thinking, Dustin, you're going to get your game three. Yep. But the Mariners score four in the sixth, four in the eighth, one in the ninth to win 10-9. to what you know, and Seattle's just going nuts uh, again. First time in the postseason since the old 2001 Sweet Lou days, and uh, got to be exciting for the people of Seattle. Definitely the feel-good moment of the weekend: the Mariners moving on to the uh, divisional round. Except in Chicago, where the real feel-good story, and this is the one I got wrong, Dustin. I got I, my heart said Phillies, but my head said Cardinals. I didn't think the Phillies had a chance to do it. It didn't look like it was going to happen. And all of a sudden, of course, Jose Quintana is on the mound. And of course, he's throwing great. And of course, the Cardinals get some rando guy that's going to sit there. And in his first postseason game, Juan Yepes is going to hit a home run and give them a 2-0 lead to go into the ninth inning. But in a stunner, in an absolute stunner, the Cardinals, who had one of the all-star closer just absolutely just fell apart. And it was, oh God, it was so glorious to watch Dustin and, and watching the best fans in baseball, quote unquote, leaving out the gates. Exiting the stadium. Yep. Ooh, Exiting see, the stadium. You, see you later. I mean, that was, that was too much fun, but Ryan Hendelsley, you feel, I mean, he ended up hurting his finger earlier in the week and he lost feeling in that finger during the ninth, but he just, you could just tell he had no control. 
he went nine and one in the regular season, 124 ERA, 19 saves. And all of a sudden it just fell apart and it couldn't have happened to a worse team. I absolutely was thrilled to watch Kyle Schwarber. Is there a, a better guy to celebrate with in the clubhouse, shaking beers and and then just having fun? No, I'd like to have a butt heavy with a Kyle Schwarber. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I've had that privilege and it's every bit as great as you can imagine. And uh, just, wow, what, what, what a sensational series for the Phillies to move on. And so Kyle Schwarber, man, he's just a guy that, you know, gets it done in October. We'll see what happens, you know, this time around. But, uh, you know, we had one last series. He did get your three-game series, Dustin. Yep, that was the uh, the Mets and the Padres. Very interesting. Um, you know, Padres take care of it on Monday, and then against Max Scherzer, which knocks your socks off. Um, then the Mets come back, just look great, scoring seven runs, I believe it was on Saturday. So we get to the uh, we get to the third game. It's the only game going up against the NFL, which I think baseball in the back of their minds actually was probably happy about that they didn't have too many games going up against the NFL because no offense they would have lost and uh so we had a six o'clock Chicago time start and uh unbelievable game and then the gamesmanship with Buck Showalter I didn't even know you were allowed to do that the way he did it I mean he goes out there and stops a game and literally Joe Musgrove is basically getting frisked on the mound in front of God and everyone at Shea Stadium and they're rubbing behind his ears and stuff. Twitter's going crazy. It was it was quite a scene. I don't know exactly what it was, but it's, it looked like there was something on the on the ear. And if it's me, I abs- if I'm the manager or if, and the funny thing is with Twitter, my understand and I'm sure it wasn't just that, but people were shouting at Buck during the game check his ear, you know, they, oh, like you know, Tony LaRusa needed to be told uh, to pinch run somebody, right? Exactly. So <laughs> you, 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 you have this situation where it, it was so noticeable. I don't know what was on his ear. I mean, it didn't, my ears never sweat like that. I don't know what, and they checked and didn't see anything there. So, you know, I just couldn't believe they, I mean, the way the game was stopped and the momentum and then the Mets don't do a damn thing. I mean, they, you know, Musgrove allowed one hit. They don't score a run in an elimination game. You got a team winning over a hundred games. It just needed to beat the uh, Braves one time, or maybe the Cubs a couple of times. They would not have found themselves in that situation. Well, how about don't find yourself in this situation, Dustin, is that you had an opportunity, deal on the table, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, David Robertson, any combination of the three you wanted, Mets, would have cost you. But when you are in that position, you push the chips in. That's what you do. You can sit there and you're going to be scared because you got fleeced the year before. Right. I think that's exactly what it was. Well, you know what? Now Now you're playing golf. Congratulations. Yeah. Now, you're now you're going home. And and so you, you sit two there. More, you play two more playoff games than the Pirates, the Cubs, the Reds, the Marlinas, teams like that. You you sat there and you you didn't take the opportunity. I will tell you this, and this is a time of year where every day in my memories, the 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 games, the Cubs games come up on my Facebook memories of 2016. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't get it, you do not get a Raldis Chapman, you don't win the World Series. We're talking about what 114 years now, the curse would be. We would be talking about that right now if you didn't have Aroldis Chapman. P. 
Period. Speaking End of, of story. Yeah, but Chapman, man, he still makes my stomach queasy every time I see him out there in a Cubs uniform. But you're not wrong. And did you see the news on Chapman? He decided not to come up to New York for a workout because the Yankees wouldn't guarantee him a spot on the postseason roster. So he, he said, I'm not coming. And they said, good, stay home. So yeah. basically, <laughs> that's the end of an era again for Chapman and the Yankees. How about the divisional round, though, Crawley? It starts on Tuesday. Phillies, Braves, Mariners, Astros, Guardians, Yankees, Padres, Dodgers. This thing could get really chalky really quick. Uh, I, I'm looking at it. it I'm looks... trying to find the t- I'm trying to find the team that played this past weekend that's going to be playing next weekend. I'm just telling you, the only one I was off on was St. Louis. And I and again, if they would have been able to get those three outs in the ninth, who knows where we'd be. But as it goes, Philly, Atlanta, San Diego, and against LA. I mean, that's I would say that if I'm looking at this, Dustin, I got I got hundred percent I got Atlanta beating the Phillies. I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm the, the mush, maybe I'm jinxing something. I don't know. <laughs> but but I don't see the Phillies pulling that off twice. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I think the Braves are going to advance. I think the Astros are going to advance. I think the Yankees are going to advance. And I think the Dodgers are going to advance. I hope, I hope I'm wrong, not because I want my prediction to be wrong, but I think it'll be more entertaining. This is almost like the opening weekend of the, of the, of the NCAA tournament, right? Where we get these, we get these upsets, a 12 always beats a five, things like that. I know you don't follow all the sports like you follow baseball, Crowley. How in the world could, could you? But um, I, I just, then you, then you get, to the next round and then you get these really high seeds playing 12s and 13s and 14s and the games are blowouts and they're not very entertaining so it's kind of you know careful of what you wish for right I, so I, we'll I, see we'll see how these play out but i i just see this really getting really chalky really quick i would say the one to watch out for and i know it, it sounds crazy because i picked them to be in the world series LA and San Diego is going to be an interesting one just because of the rivalry and the hatred between each other. Hey boy, they hate each other. Those fan bases hate each other. I think that that one, that's very similar to like a Cubs Cardinals matchup where you just throw out the record sometimes. And I think crazy, that's the one that I'm, if I was a gambling man would make me most nervous. I, I have the Dodgers winning the world series. I, but if I'm gonna look at an upset this weekend, San Diego kind of, make you know it's interesting to me we'll see what happens with cleveland new york that's another one that i'm kind of itching at a little bit where i'm just like again the pitching of cleveland and and, and new york had that awful horrific second half slump um but the which, problem is crawley is that i i get that but i just if if the yankees score three runs i don't know that the guardians can that, that, they might the not issue. score three runs in in the whole series, <laughs> right? I, and that's that's the trouble. That that's what I think you really have to be careful about. So I I like the idea that you're pulling some upsets, but I, I am going. I am by the time we get back together, I think all the chalk teams will have uh, significant leads. L A Atlanta, yeah, I said L A. I said Atlanta. Like I said, I'm I agree with you. It's just. I don't think that these are going to be the blowouts that you're talking about, the one seed versus the 15 seed. I think that that Seattle's a fun team. Um, you know, Cleveland, like I said, has the pitching. San Diego and L.A. I think Atlanta and Philly is going to be the less, least competitive of them. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see. That's a wrap. This was Season 1, Episode 40. The 2022 season is in the rearview mirror. We are now moving over to the hot stove portion of it, keeping our eyes on what the Cubs are up to and keeping our eyes on postseason baseball with a couple of Cubs connections. Crowley had a great time doing it. We will talk to you later on this week.
And don't forget to follow us on the socials, fly the W670 on Instagram, Twitter, fly the W on Facebook, and email us at flythew670 at gmail.com and go Kyle Schwarber.